I don't know. This is going to be a little bit, a little bit of a different podcast, kind of one that I've always wanted to do, and I feel like you're the perfect man to do it with. And and I, I just wanted to talk to you, to be honest. Well, let's let's chat. I love chatting. So, mate, thanks for doing this. You just sent me a great Joe Rogan clip, and I couldn't agree with it more. And it's it's funny. I was having this thought driving home at about quarter to ten last night from the great city of Newcastle. <laughs> I, I got a bit of a theory. Like I, I got potentially too much going on in my life at the moment. I'm trying to do too many things and it's kind of all at the start of it. So, you know, when you start anything, it takes a while till you get to where you want to go. But if you don't start and push through that, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And I've, I've got some health stuff going on and I don't care what anyone says. And you'd know this better than anyone being an assistant coach in the, in any competition, now is basically a full-time job a very lowly paid full-time job <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you know and my missus got stuff going on and i got too much work and then i thought you know what outcomes don't give a fuck how you feel <laughs> you, you know what i mean like i probably can't really deal with it but if you want to get the outcome you have to deal with it yeah you know do you know what i mean I I think uh, what, what what like being an assistant coach is you, you're going to have to suck at something um, because you spend so much time uh, dedicated to to helping the teams cause out. But uh, as you said, outcomes don't have feelings, so you just got to keep doing what you're doing and, and the best of what you can do. Mate, how how are you finding your season? Are you how's morale? It's kind of at the cold part of the year, probably not up where you are, but. It is down here. How, how are you finding it? Because I know you do a bit of driving as well. Are you yep. is morale high? Is it something that you have to work out? How, how are you still going, uh, mate? Well, well, um, as a as a club collectively, like when when you're on top of the table, morale's <laughs> morale's always good. Um, so for first grade, it's been, you know, we're, we're in rare rare territory. I think Bond in the last couple of years has always been one of those teams that, you know, fourth or fifth um and and now we're, we're front running so that's it's it's a nice position to be in uh personally like yeah it's hard mate you, you and i will, will share some good stories over this but like when you drive long distances mate you got you got demons in your head um up and down the road and when i say demons you're just dealing with a lot you're trying to get ready for training you, you want to ensure that your session runs well and then you've got the rest of your life to try and balance out um yeah a bit going on have you been have you been dealing with it away from footy like i know you you have a running group in the mornings is that been has that been something that you found pretty useful uh undoubtedly mate. I, I, oh look it's interesting the last couple of months we're, we're, we're trying for a marathon we're running a marathon this weekend so uh, it's so it's for it's for a purpose it's not just just socially um a bit of both mate look the, the running group has spawned from the, this will go weird but um on Tuesdays and Thursdays up here at Lennox, there's a, a, a group called the Bodie Boys, and it's just 40 to 60 people aged from 16 to 65. We all meet there in the morning group of men, just exercise from 5.30 to 6.30. Yeah. People enjoyed the exercise uh, the, the exercise side of things, and then from that has spawned these other groups. So now we've got a running group that goes on Mondays and Fridays and on Wednesdays yeah. and Saturdays. They do like um, breathing and recovery um, down on the beach as well. So... I, I, I try and get to that. Like this time of the year's been batshit crazy. It's just, <laughs> mate, if you're going to suck at something, my fitness has had to has had to suck because I've got other things going on in my life. So I, 
Yeah, you, you try and you try and train and, and and do those things to help help uh, help you calm down. But um, sadly, the last couple of weeks is something's had to give, and that was it. Well, that's comforting comforting to hear because that's been certainly the thing that's given the most for me. With the it's fun, it's funny you mentioned the benefits of that that sort of group. I was talking to Ben Alexander maybe over a year ago when we did a podcast, yep. and he said that the thing he missed most about not playing professional rugby was having that team environment to exercise with your mates. And I feel like that that's probably the thing that I miss most as well as having sort of that mutual, you, you kind of get it in coaching, but you kind of don't as well. Like having that mutual effort together and, and yeah. trying to get stronger, fitter, faster, better. Is that something that you found as well? Like, has that been very useful to you mentally? Mate, without, without a doubt. And my wife will tell you, so I was in the cops for nearly 20 years and we left the cops. And then I, that's when I kind of trans, transitioned into, into football, I guess, and coaching. Um, but, mate, I, missing the workplace and then missing the the, the camaraderie of a, of a team and, 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 and friends around you, like to fall into this group of people, yeah, it's a huge safety network. Um, hanging out with like-minded people, just just want to exercise, earth yourself in the morning, uh, get about the sun and into the surf. It's um yeah, it's a pretty good way to start the day. Man, I was before the season started. I was getting up at five and training every morning. And you finish, you know, by seven o'clock, you've already done something really good, and yeah. the the world hasn't even woken up yet. And I think the as soon as I started going to Newcastle, I found that very difficult because you're getting back at ten thirty at night. And and your brains because you know caffeine gum you have to have caffeine <laughs> gum particularly for that that trip home yeah your brains going and and then to get up at like five a.m. the next day has just been too difficult and I I think for me I really I've really struggled with that because you know one of the best things I've ever done for my life is is start jujitsu and I just haven't been able to do it you know. Yeah. It's interesting, Chubby, and I mean, you and I, we, we've got the same story is that you, you do, you get home, I get home from training at 10 o'clock at night and your head's processing the session, the, the bride's asleep on the bed and you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just look at these clips on my phone and, um, yeah, it's, it, it does your head in because, you, yeah, and then look, it's, it's 11, 11 o'clock. So I, I'm conscious of my sleep, but, but the, yeah, by the time I get to sleep, as you said, the ability to get up early in the morning is kind of nullified because I just want to have a good quality sleep. You know what I did the other day, which is so stupid. I I went and watched. <clears throat> pardon me. I went and watched every single Crusaders lineout for the last year. Yeah, and I've gone. You know, we're, our lineout's going all right. Our mall's going pretty well, and I've and but a couple of teams have started to maybe work it out a little bit. They put a lot of extra effort into it. Yeah, so coming up with some ideas to show some different pictures or some different trick plays, just. Just something to make the defense go, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. And I did that. I've gone, I I know nothing. <laughs> and, my, and my brain was just worrying. I go, oh, I'm a terrible coach. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing after watching how creative, innovative, and it's yeah. nearly every single game. Yeah. No, there's something different that they do, which you go, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. You uh, know, so. uh, well, one uh- – one, I love the fact that you're not the only nerd out there watching lineouts, trying to look for the next things and <laughs> see what trends are coming out of coming out of um super super football. But um, 
Mate, that ability of the line out to, and again, this is something I love. I just love innovation because what's the, the 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 first thing I always tell the boys is that if I throw something that's against the grain to you, the defense have got to go. Well, I'm just going to watch and see what happens here. So it's just I don't know why is he why is he always talks about um, find the game within the game. Yeah. So you're just trying to find where are the games within the line outs and, and mate, as you said, the, the innovation around line outs. Uh, yeah, everyone's just trying to look for that next edge. Well, what what I saw with the Crusaders in particular with their mom is they're trying to manipulate space with their setup and look yeah. like they're going one way, or so they'll load the back of their line up. So hoping that the defense will defend there. Yeah. Then they'll put some sort of movement on to draw the defense away from where they want to go, and then they'll go to the spot where the least defense is. But yeah. because they know they're going there, they're going to be there first. So yes. you've automatically got an advantage. Yep. And some of the ways that they do that are really creative and really interesting. And uh, I'm going to have a crack at some of it over the next couple of weeks. But it made there's there's the, the, I guess that's the beautiful thing about coaching. And I I did a really good podcast with Paulie yesterday, maybe two yeah. days ago. Yeah, good man. And um, he's very self-critical as well, and constantly looking for ways to get better. And I feel like that never stops, phrase. Well, but look. It's funny, Chubby. At the end of the day, the the the, the evolution of the game, um, yeah, you know, it comes back to us at the forefront at the moment. Like we, we, we've got to keep keep being creative, or we just we just stagnant to where we are. Like I, I actually, uh, the, the last night I was looking at um, rugby world cup videos from nineteen ninety one because there's just there's some facets of the game back in the eighties and nineties that are still applicable today. Yeah. Um, and like <laughs> I watched. Canada versus New Zealand, 1991 in France. And if you watch the All Blacks scrum, nearly every scrum, they have a back row move different. Every scrum. I Yeah, I'm, I like the track you're going on, and it's definitely not used enough these days. Well, it's just like, but we're deep in, digging back into the history of the game to find where we want to go at the moment. Uh, and I think for Paulie you know, and yourself, like you, you, your line out at, at the wildfires, yeah, look, it's such a high-functioning piece for you guys. You know that as the, the next four or five weeks encroaches, you, you're trying to look for that next edge so that come come finals time that that you've got some a different picture for the teams to go, well, I've never seen this before. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. So obviously the players have to think week to week. And we yeah. do, we do as well. But I've kind of got an eye on games yeah. coming up and the way they defend and and some different stuff that we can show them, which I think is pretty cool. Like I haven't coached lineouts a lot, and um, obviously still have a long way to go. But it's a very interesting part of the game, I reckon. Do you do you lean back on the playing group, or are they are they kind of are you? Are you so we, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. We we got a couple of really good lineout leaders. Obviously, you know Rob uh, Pulavea and and Morgan Innes. And so what what I'll do, they had this system in place when I came in. So yeah. I, rather than change anything, I've just added a little bit and gone, hey, guys, what do you think? And then I get them to drive that. And, and anything that I want to add or change, I run by them, see what they think. Just going to take some notes, Chubby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if they... If they if they like it, I go, all right, can we install that? And then what I'll do is I'll be there with them. And if they don't get a detail right, I'll just I'll just add onto that. Yeah. Um but but from my experience, my very limited experience, I gotta add, um, the line out kind of needs guys on the field to run it. Yeah. So having guys 
buy in, have some thought, some insight into it has been very, very important. Yeah. And particularly because I've never run, I've never run a line out. I can just go to them with ideas and go, what do you think? And if they don't like it, they tell me and I go, okay, cool. But the the uh, probably the biggest thing I've bought in is um uh the non-negotiable lifting, throwing, jumping standards. So they they didn't really have that before. And it's something that uh Dan McKellar showed me. And once you see it, you go, oh, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And my biggest job is probably holding them accountable for their for the lifting standards, you know, yeah. making so, sure the gap's right, the spacing. Yeah. Gap, spacing, full extension. Footwork, eyes forward, tiptoes, chest to chest, uh, yeah. making sure they get good deliveries, um, releasing on off the top line outs, not releasing on more line outs to maintain that connection. Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's 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 funny. I was speaking to my dad. He goes, we had one game where we lost quite a few line outs. And he goes, your throwing is just not good. And I looked at the game and I'm going, not the throw. It's not the throw. It's it's amazing how often you get um, the spacing on the ground actually determines the throw. Yep. Because if you get good, if you get incorrect spacing, your, your lifters are going to be late to get to the jumper. Yep. And that's, that's when you miss it or bad calling. Yeah. So I'm probably ranting a little bit, but one of the things, one of the things that I bought in um, is a emphasis on tempo lineouts. So we do pre-call; they have some idea of where they want to go based on the defense. Yeah, our caller walks in last, and he's scanning for tempos. So there should always be a tempo available. Yeah. If a tempo is not available, he goes to the pre-call. Yeah, good. So, yeah, mate, I, I love that. That. Um... We had Josh Canham. He's come back from the Rebels to, to Bond and last weekend, just talking to him and the detail that Jeff Parling's kind of installed to him. And, and it's cool listening to Josh's story. Like Josh is this behemoth of a, of a, of a, of a man. Yeah. Um, but his history of the game is is late. He came, came into the game late. Uh, so he's just learning a lot more about line-out detail and, and he just gave some things that, that Jeff Parling kind of looks at at the Rebels. Um it was interesting talking about stride, stride in the line out. Like yeah. um, the smaller the steps is, the more steps that the defense get to cue off you. Yeah. So for bigger blokes, like take big steps and we just get across the ground a lot quicker. Well, so, the, the other thing that, that I, I've learned from the Brumbies is just say I'm moving to lift you. If I yeah. take a step in the opposite direction, yeah. that's slowing me down and giving the defense more time to react. So one, the defense is going to get there quicker because I'm a little bit slower. But because I'm slower, the timing of the throw might be off. That could be the difference between winning and losing a lineup. Such a small detail. If I'm half a step, you know, the wrong way from you, yeah, you know, the, the spacing's not even. That's yeah. another reason you could lose a lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting part of the game. I always got told when I first started coaching, the lineup's the hardest area to coach. The lineup's hardest area to coach. And uh, I think that's absolutely true. Thankfully, we've got a hooker that is a good thrower, a couple of them. Yep. But I could imagine if you had one that wasn't a good thrower, it would be an even harder area to coach. <laughs> what What do you reckon the trends are then in in Sydney? And I'll come back because we'll, we can com- compare. What do you reckon the trends are in the in the Sydney comp? Say uh, A and B zone. Is it still reverting? Um, say say that last bit again. Sorry, mate. Is it still reverting to a more uh, in the A zone a lot? Yeah. yeah. So close to the line a lot. Something that I've noticed with the good attacking teams is they will 
sort of punch through the seam a lot. So they're trying to win it towards the tail to cut off as many of the forwards as you can. Then doing like a, a bounce out play and just punching straight through the seam, particularly against us. I hope no one listens to this, but it seems to work pretty well. <laughs> and it definitely works for us when we do it. Uh, that, that's kind of the biggest thing. We've only had one more try scored against us this year. Yeah. So there's not been a huge amount of teams like they've tried a couple of times, but then they usually play. Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of the, the thing I've seen. It's pretty direct. There's yeah. a couple of teams that will try and beat us around the corner. That's a quite a common tactic. Um, yeah, that's kind of the only stuff I really noticed. How, how about you? Um, well, a bit the same. Like what teams will try and take us on and out more. Um, yeah, I, I think the trend in, in, in the Brisbane comp is A zone more. Um, yeah, it's effective. I think if you look at the highest try scorers in both comps, there's a there's probably two hookers at the top of each yeah. um, each try scoring list, and that that just signifies that it's still such a potent weapon. I, I love Matty O'Connor, who's uh, been in my life for a long time, but he says, mate, mate, you still get the same amount of points for for, for mauling a try as you do um, having a wing across the line. So um, if you if you can cross the line five times with your maul and and only once with your winger, then have a think about that. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the things that I've noticed this year, which I find maybe confusing, is the refs. The I, I've, I feel like the malls are a really hard area to ref. And for the first part of the year, yeah, they they were only refereeing the attacking side of the mall because there's been a lot of teams shifting and doing all this shit. And I actually like shift malls. I know it's illegal, but I think if you're smart enough and technical nice. enough to do it, you should get away with it. And they were only refereeing that. So they were disregarding the defensive side of them all. Yeah. And um, I know some refs listen to this. I like the refs. They're all good blokes, the ones that I know. But they get told to look at certain things. Correct. So, and it's such a hard area of the game that I feel like for a little bit, the more was almost being refed out of the game from what I could see. I totally agree, and I know this because I've actually got a, a Sydney ref in my pocket that actually sends stuff to just for some some external opinion. So I clipped some stuff the other week. Um, I don't know. Let, let's let's call a spade a spade. So like the back lifter interfering with the the, the yeah. receiver of the of the line out. Um, like it's such an evident picture when you it, and, and, and and say, hey, look, we're, this guy's offside. Yeah, um, all the time, all the time. I've got some funny pictures because <laughs> the referee is actually looking at the mall side on and the video camera depicts that. So look, I, I'm not critical of the referees, but it is, it's like, is the, is the reward for the, the, the team moving forward or is there any, any reward for the defensive team that's trying to swim for the football? And it seems to me like it just depends on what ref you get on, on what day. And, and I get it. Like to me, if you're good enough, go for it. And, and, couple of refs have said to me is I don't want to make a call that decides the game based on something that I'm not 100% sure about. And I, and I get that because they don't have TV to, no. to, to make that decision. And, you know, if they get it wrong and you end up losing the final, not making the finals, I, I could only imagine that that wouldn't be a good feeling for them. And, and, and what I've heard a couple of guys say is uh, we're just going to let you guys sort it out. And I, I, it's hard to coach like that because they're not all the same. Like yeah. some of them, some of them vary in what they do and they allow different things for more defense and, you know, more attack. But I kind of like that attitude. 
Oh man, oh yeah. Again, I I, I feel for the referees because it's 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 it is it's a pressure environment, and the reality is, shoot shield Premier Rugby in in Brisbane is that um, there's full time jobs on the line for some coaches, and and their ability to win football games can be hinged on a decision. Um, that's pressure. Uh, maybe you just got to execute that picture far better than than what it looks like. Hundred percent. I also think whoever's running the game probably needs to simplify it. For, for the refs like I, I don't think we should ever take malls out of the game I think it's no. a beautiful part of the game yep. that separates us from league really malls and, malls and scrums and we got to keep that in yeah uh, but just finding a way and I you know I hate people that ask for ask for fixes without offering solutions and that's exactly what I'm doing now but come up with a way to make it easier for them because we want refs in the game phrase you do mate I, I, I get it. it's you know, I think um, one of my mentors in my life, Chris Hickey, has always said, you're trying to make a complicated game, try and keep it as simple as possible. 100%. Um, so there's some confusion. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, as coaches, we just want to execute, give a good picture so there's there's no no concerns around the referee. Um, you know, something that's been fucking us up is when teams vary their more tactics against us. And I'm, not, I'm yeah. probably not going to put this out till for a few weeks. So hopefully they don't listen. But... <laughs> When teams vary what they do to us at more time, that messes with us, and it's been quite an effective tactic. And I, I hate, I find it, I, I think it's against the spirit of rugby. I think it's a weak thing to do. Teams that stand off and don't defend, I've, I probably should do it, but I just part of me is like, that's just weak, weak. I, I like it. I, I think Chubby. I, I just, I just like the psychology around it. Because mm. like you said you, your, your team, you practice more Tuesday, Thursday. Um, yeah, we're going to go seven man here or six one here, and 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 we're going to take this thirty or forty meters. And then yeah, all of a sudden, no contest. It frustrates people, but that's the game within the game. So mm. I, I, I appreciate your view on it. Would I educate my players potentially? Like if I know I'm playing against Hunter, and and and, and you rolled us um, earlier in the year, like. Is it a strategy I would think about potentially? But again, mate, hopefully this comes out um, the week before the grand final. And no one's it's then. effective. It's an effective strategy. I've got no doubts about that at all. But I think it's against the spirit of the game, being that it should be a direct contest for possession at all times. That's what I don't like about it. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I've got some philosophies around the game. At the end of the day, I'm always looking for the. You're always looking for the contest. Yeah, if you can win that contest. But, but yeah, it, and again, that's a, a fair point, mate. Like, we're just having a no contest and it's mm. taking away a contest. 100%. And I also, like, we've come up with a way to counteract it, which I think is probably yep. incredibly effective, hopefully. <laughs> I shouldn't, yep. say, st- shouldn't no, no. say that before we do it. Hey, no. question. I've I got something I wanted to run by you. We're in the same, we've got the same um, mentor, the great Matt Williams. Correct. A couple, couple of fantastic quotes that he had that really resonate with me. Yeah, is rugby is easy, people are hard, and I think that's a that's a great one to dig into. And the other one that he had that stood out to me, which I literally just wrote down in the self assessment thing that we had to do. Yeah, <laughs> I just wrote that and quote marks Matt Williams is uh, most coaches don't lose their jobs because of X's and O's; they lose it because of a breakdown in relationships, which I've seen, and I think that that's incredibly true. And I, I, in my mind, that comes back to communication. What have what do you make of that quote? What's what's coaching people taught you about humans? What's it taught you about life? 
Mate, well, I kind of flip it back to my past career being in the cops. Like, mate, communication was number one. I, I'll go. I'll, I'll break it down. Is that um, rugby is easy, people are hard. So, um, I loved being in the cops. It's a public service uh, role. So, yeah, you're servicing the people and, and talking to people and communicating. Um, Mate, the reality is life is hard for a number of people. Like to, to, to get them to on a Tuesday and Thursday night, you, you're dealing with all the external pressures of their life. But this is their little sanctuary for two hours at that, that time of the week. Uh, if you can make make that sanctuary for them comfortable and make them play good rugby, well, I've always kind of had the philosophy is that getting onto the rectangle, is that's the easy part. It's getting them everything that happens off the rectangle to make sure that they're right to roll. Yeah. Um, so I'm always conscious of of um, people's lives and what's going on, and I'm I'm genuinely interested. I actually love listening to what problems people have in their lives. I love solving people's problems. I don't have the answers, but I love listening to them and figuring it out. And I guess that that second point that you make about the breakdown of relationships, well, that's that's effectively going to bring anyone stuck, isn't it? Like if if you haven't got an ability to communicate face to face, I don't know. I think I think we're kind of coming out of that post-COVID era where you know, everything was done over Zoom or there was lack of interaction face-to-face. And I could send you a text message as an excuse and you would just cop that, you know, because oh, i got COVID or I've got a sniffly nose. And yeah. like, we're past that now. Like we need back to face-to-face conversations and being around each other is um, is key to, to, to relationships. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think sometimes people forget that, amateur semi-professional professional whatever you want to call it should be an escape from your life and and for that those two hours your problems shouldn't matter you're doing exercise with some good people you try, yeah. hopefully you got decent coaches to help make you better <laughs> you, you know you're working towards a common goal and, and i i don't know i haven't been doing this a long time but i i see it in guys particularly after you know it's getting cold, a couple of losses, you know, morale starts to go. People go, oh, this is hard. Why the fuck yep. am I doing this? <laughs> so I don't know. Have have you, is that something you've seen? You've been doing it a lot longer than me. Mate, but look, I started, I was like, I started coaching back in uh, 2005, 2006. Uh, and my, my my real first venture was up at Inverell. Um, like, Mate, try coaching in Varel in the middle of June, July, August. Like, mate, it's minus three or four at night. You got a couple Yuck. of kids in your team who are like, we don't train in the cold. Um, yeah, you got you, you got to learn to to adjust to the scenario that's around you. Um, and, and and yeah, a few losses. How how good's a loss and then cold weather for morale and then and then injuries on top of that. So, I oh, know you. It's a bit of give and take in your planning, and you, you and I know like the head coach will, will plan something out. And then it just gets readjusted right right before training starts because you haven't got numbers or there's some other environmental issue. Um, mate, that's just part of the journey. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And and particularly I could imagine coaching Inverell when you're super gung-ho <laughs> and maybe some guys aren't quite as uh, committed as you'd like to be, that that would be a challenging one. How, how, do you, how do you keep it fun? Or how do you get the balance between fun and getting the work done. That's something well, that I've struggled with a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, mate. I guess, uh, and, and Bubba might say the same. Look, I, I've kind of always been the glass, I'm the glass half 
glass half full kind of guy. I love having a good time. So maybe I, for me, I think I've had to readjust myself. Like I, I, I'd love to be a head coach. So I've kind of had to pull the fun element back a little bit, but yeah. it always underpins. I've always got in my session, like where's the fun? Where's something that, that, that we've got some time to, to actually embrace a, a bit of fun. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm conscious that, that, Mate, our guys don't get paid, but they're there for the love of it. So yeah. it's, I've got to ensure that we've got some buy-in in that in that regard. And I guess the other thing as well is is motivation would be high one because you're winning, but two, if you can actually help guys improve, I think no matter what level they're playing at, I think guys appreciate that and they enjoy that. Have you seen that? Hundred percent, mate. Like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well. Uh, we've been at similar clubs right or or similar similar scenarios where you how how good's a winning environment yeah or or or, or the 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 motivation to win uh and then you have those seasons where you're like your eighth or your tenth i was last last year there you go um uh yeah and the year before i was at the at the wildfires you know um we were just hoping to win a few games along the road and you just, you're just forever looking for that little bit of glory. Um, and, and you've got to learn to celebrate the small wins because they're just so important. Um, you, know, it's, you know, it's funny The like this, this probably shows you how far the wildfires have come. Yeah. We've won games and we're disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that that's quite an amazing journey in a short period of time, really. Oh, look, it's, Yeah, I I, I embrace the success that that Hunter's having because uh, not not only being part of the organisation a couple of years ago, but there's some good footballers out there. And I I just love the fact that um, the Bubba, I think it was in the the press not long ago, there's not one contracted player at Newcastle at the moment. Well, we got a couple now, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But but none of the local guys have been looked at, and potentially they should be, I think. Well, mate. Riddle me this, right? So you're the best team in the comp. And so there's got to be some success there. Like there's there's players obviously well and truly above other people. You know, I, I argue that I think form warrants form warrants um selection. And at the end of the day, all you can do is is put impressive performances on the field and hopefully someone's watching. Oh, look, I I'm I'm certain that there'll be a couple of guys who get gigs after this year, like um, I look at Izzy Fuka Fuka, the young yeah. loose head prop who was yeah. a he was a halfback three years ago. He was a halfback three years ago, and he is genuinely the best loose head prop in the shoot shield. He's yeah. killing it. He's wow. someone should be looking at him. He needs a little bit of physical development, but it, and yeah. he's only young. He's twenty three. Yeah. yeah, someone puts a bit of effort into him. He he'll he'll be at the very least a professional level prop. Yeah. He's that good. Clayton France uh, came through the Auckland Blues system. He's someone that people should be looking at, and there are and there are others. But I'm sure that people, uh, hopefully, a couple of Super Rugby coaches are listening to this, and you know. <laughs> well, let, let, let's be honest. Let's let's clarify that is that, um, and I won't say who, but like high performance managers of franchises do look at the stats, do look at the details. Because I was contacted about particular players from the Brisbane comp. Um, after last season, and and when you start looking, well, why 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 is he asking me about this person or that person? You look statistically, they're they're dominant in what they what their what their function is. So, um, as I said, form warrants success, uh, yeah. form warrants selection. Um, all you can do is, is keep having performances week in week out. That's that's right. I think consistency, being a part of a winning team, and 
I got a little bit of, I don't necessarily buy into the statistics and I'll tell you why. Cause we, on the weekend, we won eight of our, we, we won all but one of our lineups. You know, one of them, they just pinched, but we won all of them. And yeah. I look at it and go, okay, so we won our lineouts. It makes you, your lineout winning percentage look great. But three of them, we more, we tried to more, got sacked, almost got turned over or shit launch play. So I don't really count that. Then another one, we had a sloppy tap, which we won. The halfback got the ball under pressure, got tackled. So we won the line out, but it was shit attacking ball. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? So I, that That's my argument against some of the statistics because I would go, a line out win only counts if you get a good maul off it and then can launch off it or you get clean ball from the nine to the 10. Yeah. Do you do, you do your own stats or are you reliant on, on Opta data? Uh, I tried to at the start, but then I'm like, uh, you know, there's too many things to try and do. I just, yeah, they, they do. Opta does do it. Yeah. Um, but but like also, if you're looking at, at scrum percentage, we're coming like fifth. And, and anyone that's we've dominated everyone that's played against us. So I, I, you know, I, I, I and I made this is I, I don't think administrator if if administrators are listening, great to have you on board, but. Um, like we get data, uh, it's obviously done off-site. Is it is it accurate? Not exactly accurate. That's why I've kind of got I've got to go back to I, I like doing my own stats. Mm. Uh, but I use it as a, like a reference point. So we get sent a report every week. Hundred percent. Yeah. And and if you go if a guy's missing a couple of tackles, you can kind of point that out and go, Correct. you know, yeah. look or, you know, if if your ruck speed's slow or you're losing ruck ball, you use it as a guide. But I wouldn't. I know guys that use it as the be all and end all and they use it to validate what they're doing. And I just don't think it tells the full picture. I got asked this question the other day, like, you know, if you were to become a head coach or what, what are your KPI stats and data? And I was like, well, winning the fucking comp. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that, that's, that's the most logical answer. Like yeah. what you want me to give you an answer now in the middle of the season about your club or this type club and our team and where we're going. It's like, look, can I answer that question at the end of this season? Because then I'll know exactly where we stand and what, what, what we need to work on. But KPI and data, Leah, what about just concentrating on just doing, on winning? Yeah. And from that stems probably the the, the, the little mantras or the, the KPIs that you want. But um, yeah, I, I, again, it's funny. I think some some people are scared to, be, to say they want to win. I don't know what it's like there at Newcastle at the moment, but it's like, we're trying to evolve this culture of like, let's fucking win. Like, let's, let's come on, man. Like, let's enjoy, embrace winning. Um, I, I, reckon- I wouldn't have come to this club if I didn't see that they wanted to win. Yeah. You don't have to win, but you got to want to win. Yeah. Cause yeah, I've yeah. been, I've been in environments that I don't think wanted to win and, it, and you have no chance of success there. But if you are, if you got your leaders in a club that all want to win and are doing yeah. what's, what is required to win, yeah. I, I'm a big, believer that that's the only chance you have of succeeding Let, let's be honest it's a pretty fun trip up the um m1 when um when you when you win so um it's 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 no different um leaving brisbane in a minibus full of young bond rugby players enjoying the win i haven't done a i haven't done a bus trip yet but mate <laughs> one one thing uh, you know talking about the kpis i think there are elements of a game that you probably should focus on that lead you to win and and that might be what the uh, you know the board member or whoever it was maybe that's what they want. What have you seen 
like in the game in Brisbane that that probably leads to success? Like what what should you focus on? Do you think? Well, he's got this is a good this is good topic, mate. Because yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I've been employed as a defence coach for the last couple of years, so I'm going to always turn around and show you data that says, "Oh, defence wins games." Yeah. If you start looking at the scores, and mate, shoot shields no different. Like the scores is just blowing out. It's really just a question of who can score more tries. Yeah. So is it your ability to stop tries or is your ability to score more tries? And I think the way that scores are going, um, defences are, are getting eroded too quickly. So there's still that element to, to have your defence working super hard. But, uh, mate, at the end of the day, it's just all out attack, isn't it? Uh, how 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 important is the transition from – so I, I've never coached defence. I kind of – I try and pay attention whenever I see people doing it because I'm interested in it. But how how important is that transition from defense into attack and actually practicing that part of the game? Because I feel like there's teams that spend a huge amount of time focusing on that, and that's where you get a lot of your rewards from your attack. So while it might be an attack try, it's still a defense. Um, it's still come from good defense. Yeah, I think that that's a good question, mate. I, <laughs> I, I title it BBD when uh, the guys get, get clips and it's like a oh, BBD and it's like, yeah, that's porn. a, that's a Pornhub thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't have a <laughs> But it's, it's actually ball back defense. Right. Uh, if we defend, we defend for X amount of phases and it's BBD. So then there's ball back defense. And then effectively it's BBD equals a try. And that's, that's I know that's part of the the beauty of Bond's kind of style of play is that we've got an ability to to transition from one to the other, yeah. uh, really well. But uh, I'm pretty conscious of of just BBD getting the ball back defence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm sure that confused a few other people as well. Mate, I I I agree with you. I think defence and attack is important. Something we spent a lot of time on this year was our mall. Um, yeah. We just looked at the game. Sydney Uni, it's you know, it's, it's no secrets they've been a juggernaut in the shoot shield and, yep. and what have they built their game on. And I yep. think a big part of that is, is having a strong kicking game, having a really good mall, yep. having I almost think mall defense is more important than a good attacking mall, just quietly. Um, I've got nothing to back that up, just what I've seen, what are my intuition. And I think you have to have a solid scrum to to launch from. Well, you know, your set piece is always going to be rock solid, but it's probably never more important, Chubby, because I think, again, oh man, like this, this will be going down your lane way, but it's like refereeing scrums is just like, yeah, like, mate, I, I was a back grower, so I, I, I can't tell you about the dark arts, but, but I, I, I've gone to watching, um, you know, Sam needs people like yourself, Matt Everard, give, give presentations, and like, even at that, at that, that kind of apex level of coaching, we're encouraging people to scrum straight and and and, and strong. Um, and then I don't know. That's scrum time. You, this penalty's been given away. It's just yeah, it's a lottery. It's hard. It's hard. Right. The great Dan Palmer said to me that um, it's scrumming is not a dark arts problem. It's a physics problem. And I'm like, if you think about it, it's direct, all eight in the same direction at the same time. Yeah, and and that that's how you you succeed. So I think it's, I, I think if you don't have the ability to explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. 
You, you need to listen to, and I, I'm dobbing him in here, but he's a good mate of mine. It's Glenn Jackson, who's now with the Drua and refereed, and he he tells some funny stories. Like, mate, played played 100 games, you know, in in Europe, 100 Super Games, uh, refereed over 100 games, Test matches, uh, and he's got some funny anecdotes around. Like, yeah, here's a bloke that played 10 and 12 for most of his career, international referee, you know. He's like, fuck, man, just fucking get the ball in and get it out. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have issues there. Um, did, did he study the mechanics and the physics of the scrum? Of course he did. That's why he was touted as such a uh, or regarded as a, as a high-level referee. But um, it's just funny listening to him. Um, and, and I think I think uh, I, I feel for referees because it, at the end of the day, it's a physics problem. That's exactly right. So you're just trying to counter counter the physics. Um, so, so, so you give a better picture. I, I, I feel like there's a few things that, like, to be honest with you, I look at most of the games and I think the refs, like, I very rarely do I have huge issues with how the, the scrum's been refed. I think they're doing a good job. I, I think I like refs that if the scrum's collapse and the ball's playable, you play it. I think mm-hmm. that's just a no brainer. I think if a team's going forward, they should get the reward for it, no matter yeah. what. That yeah. sometimes doesn't happen. Um, you know, simple little things like I think you should. I think resets should come back into the game a little bit because sometimes there's not an easy penalty there. And and as much as you know, skinny fast people hate watching scrums. It's still it's still part of rugby. You know, so I I think the refs are genuinely that's been a huge improvement as far as I can see for the refereeing guys. Um, I think it's just because I think that they've spent a lot of time trying to simplify the pictures that they see. Yeah, they don't always get that right. Some go your way, some go the other way, yeah. but it always comes back to even. That's, I think that's a good point, Chubby. And I, mate, it's good that we're we're on this podcast and talking together because I I tell you one cool cool moment that happened this year and in that trial game against you guys and you and I are sitting on the side there and we're watching that scrum unfold and like you 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 made some observations on, on Reece Sheriff on that right shoulder and then you you know you, you pass me on a message I get to go and convey that message back to that player like. There's some cool little sub interactions that happen within the game that people may or may not know, but like little that, that little coaching point, like you don't get that uh, unless you've got good some good humans around just trying to help each other out. And, and around scrum time, I think the more that we can educate and, and help help uh, our front row, or uh, mate, the reality is it's the back five. As as I read your post this week, is that um, the more that we can educate and teach people how to scrummage properly from a young age. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't be having these conversations in a couple of years' time. Oh, a hundred percent. And one of the, the one of the really amazing things I've found about doing this podcast, and and I think it's just coaching in general, to be honest, is just how generous the guys are with their knowledge and how much they want to share. Like I did a great podcast with Matt O'Connor, and I think he enjoyed it probably as much, if not more, than I did. You know, because he, you know, and he just wanted to share and he wanted to help and. You know, I've sat in a room with Dan McKellar for 45 minutes going through all the Brumbies line-out stuff. And, you know, he's a Leicester Tigers head coach, a Wallaby Fords yeah. case. I just, yeah. like, to me, that's amazing. So if, if you, I feel like you have an obligation to pass that on if you if you have any knowledge. Oh, it's great. I mean, it, no. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. We, we're in a good cohort at the moment, Chubby. As you said, we talked about our level four people that we're hanging out with and, and, it's cool when like-minded people just want to share and make make things better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it all the dark arts and, and smoke and mirrors? Not really. Like we're, I think Flanagan gave that 
um, speech at the beginning of our course where he said that if you go to the 14 rugby league clubs, they're pretty much all training the same. In fact, they all are training the same. It's just the ability to manipulate defences on the actual given day or or, or come up with a, a better attack plan. But uh, it's probably the same at, at club land. I think a lot of clubs are still doing or, or trying to train the same way. I, I, I think you're probably right. And I think that that also creates an opportunity for someone who wants to think a little differently because I, I, I was, I had this thought with Paulie the other day and it's something that I've been thinking about is yeah. if you're doing the same as everyone else, or you're only looking at the top team and yeah. trying to replicate what they do, that's the only, they're the results you're going to get. So how do you, how do you beat the best if you're doing the same as them? I think you got to look for things to do differently. What's the quote? If you always did what you always do, you'll always get what you always got. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like you, you got to keep reinventing yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Well, yeah, a great story about uh, Blockbuster. I think I said this. I've probably said this too many times, but Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix very early on for you know next to nothing, and they've wow. gone, "No, nah, this will never work." <laughs> and now there's one Blockbuster left in the world. Same with Black. Same with BlackBerry. BlackBerry had opportunities to do smartphones similar to what Apple have done. Nah, that'll never work. Now, now BlackBerry don't exist. So if you don't evolve and adapt, you, you won't be there. And you I think be. something that I yeah, and I I think you've got to be willing to make mistakes. And I'm I know we've talked about this offline. Yeah. Um, the importance of failure and making mistakes. How, how do you view that part of it? Are you, do you seem like someone that's very willing to try things and, you know, learn and, and, you know, fuck up and get better? Well, I think my, um, at my age, nearly 50, my, I've made plenty of mistakes and you're still going to keep making mistakes. And it's really what you learn from it and how you, how you apply your learning. Um, Football wise, I, I reckon there's still stacks of invention still within the game that that that's a, available. Yeah, do I try things? Yeah, I do because what's 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 the worst thing? Um, do we get better from it? No, we didn't. Um, or did we get better? Yeah, we did. Well, let's let's look go, keep going down that route. Um, I don't know. I think we're you're always making mistakes, and it's just you just got to keep learning from. It. I think Eddie Eddie did a you know, a, a thing with Ira not long ago, and and, and he talked about messy training. Look. It's cool having once I heard him talk about having messy training. It's kind of oh, well, that's cool because because I didn't achieve everything in that training session, or it felt like shit. But it's they're actually I was learning, the players were learning, and we're going to get better from that. I I couldn't agree more. One of one of my early mentors is a, was a big fan of chaos training, and and you could see that the the players were like, what the fuck's going on here? Because they're so used to having order and regimented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his thing is that rugby is is you know, it's a disorganized or it's organized chaos. I'm going, yeah. oh, you're right. Yeah. So one thing I've I've noticed is that anytime we install something new, um, particularly with the forwards, like we might do something new with the mall, yeah. that training session isn't good. Yeah. And the players are like, oh, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. But but I, you have to just remind them, you know, that usually takes two weeks to nail, then we'll be good. So accept the little blip because yeah. we're actually getting better. Better, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found that really interesting. Mate, I think well, it, that that's that's good. At least you've identified the pattern, so it's kind of like install. There's a bit of bit of uh, friction here, but it'll it'll smooth out, and in two weeks we're good to go. So um, I think once you accept that, there's always a little bit of um, I don't know troubleshooting when you install something. Then it's just play on from there. But um, you know, again, 
It's just having the ability to have that growth mind to say, right, I'm going to try something. Is it going to work? I don't know, but I'm going to give it a go. One thing that I tried that I reckon has worked is doing overload malls. So Palms told me that he did it and I'm going, oh, that's a good idea. So what what we tried was uh, 10 guys on pads from 40 meters out. Yeah. And they got a mall to score. Yeah. And I don't know if well, I'm, I know the boys didn't enjoy it, but what I found was is it teaches you a lot of the mechanics of the mall that you want yeah. without having to say anything. Yeah, it just you know automatically they've got to lift high, get down and forward. The middle three have to punch, and you've always got to fight back to square. And then if guys fall off the mall because they're going for forty meters, they've got to re-enter the mall as quickly as possible. Good. Plus, it teaches you control because if you just lose control, you're not going to score. Yeah. And then you're getting more conditioning as well because it's fucking hard mauling for 40 meters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was something that I tried that did work. And, I, I, you know, we've had a lot of success from that. Did, tell me this. Did you do the old tram track drills back in the day up at Coffs Harbour? Like, yeah. You know, you'd maul for like 50 meters. Yeah. And I only raised that because, uh, yeah, I was down at a schoolboy thing last Friday and there was a group of older coaches there and we're just saying, I'll oh, do the tram track drill. And like some people going, what's that? And then we explained it. And I reckon there'll be coaches going back to train this week going, well, we're going to try this tram track drill. Like it's just, it's conditioning. It's hard. But there's, as you said, the players get to get the learning. They get the automatic feedback because they're either making ground pretty quickly or they're just going nowhere. So solve it amongst yourselves. Well, and the, the other thing I, I thought was quite was accidentally clever. I def, definitely wasn't doing it on purpose, but it was it was coaching without having to say anything and then because we've uh videotape our sessions i could go all right you know how we've been talking about this 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 and this boom look what look what it looks like when you do it yeah so you can give them that feedback as well yeah yeah i look mate again it's just i, I just love all these like talking to you it's just learn you're just learning off other people the whole time but how'd you do that what are you doing there like we're not not giving away the the, the secret source as such but it's just like oh yeah sorry you got to you actually got to work a little bit hard and, and, and you got to keep 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 at the process. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started because I've, I, you know, as we said at the start, I've had some sort of weird health stuff going on, and I think that's to do with stress and some of the stuff I got going on in my life. So yeah. I started journaling, and I highly recommend that to anyone who hasn't done yeah. it. It's like a daily check in with yourself, and, and it's you know, and and what I find is that I struggle to think through problems sometimes, but when I sit down and write it down, I go, ah, there's a solution there and, and a good way of thinking about it. And something I wrote down the other day is that um, if you don't stop, you will eventually make it. And I think that a lot of people forget that to start with, it's hard in anything, business, relationships, life, coaching, anywhere, anything at the start is hard, but the people that make it aren't any better than you. They just don't stop. Right. It's like full circle, like that Joe Rogan thing. Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck negative people. I'm fucking, uh, man, I'm going to go on a rant myself here in a sec. But the reality is there's people out there say, oh, you can't do that. Or what are you doing that for? And it's like, mate, I'm fucking giving this a go. I, I'm, I'm actually boss of the wall, giving this a genuine red hot crack and um, yeah, get out of my way. And if you want to fucking sit there and throw stones at me or, or weigh me down, then get out of my way. It's a reflection of them. I think, and and I I've found like I I wanted to do a podcast many years before I did one, and and it was always like, oh no, you you're a nobody, you you know all the lies that you tell yourself. You're like, oh, why would anyone listen? And then one day I've gone fucking and tried it, and it was popular. Yeah, 
you know, and, and I think part of my problem is I've been inconsistent, realizing that you're not going to make money. You might not get anywhere for 500 episodes, but if you keep fucking going, you will eventually get there wherever there is, you know. I think it's testimony to you, Chubby, that you've kept going with it. I mean, the, the, the appetite, the appetite behind the curtain is massive. Like people, people want to listen to other people's experiences. People want to, oh yeah, what's that guy's story all about? Or what's that person got to say about the game? And like, um, mate, your 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 persistence to say, hey, I'm going to keep producing people's stories and and, and delve into lies. Like, mate, it's it's important. Um, I listened to something many years ago when I was in the cops and. Um, it talked about you know um, evidence in court and proving things beyond a reasonable doubt uh, and the reality is you've got to get someone on a, on in court to tell their story uh, and it's the story's got to be compelling um and and I think within sport there's a lot of compelling stories and, and your ability to to have a, a platform to, to tell people's stories is good mate so fuck well, the going. I, I appreciate it mate I appreciate it and I you know, a bit of name dropping here. I was lucky enough to have a coffee with Scott Robinson the morning of the Super Rugby final last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, probably says a lot about who that guy is, is that he would even do that. But one thing uh, he spoke about was theming and and theming a season and, yep. and told a bit, didn't wouldn't say what that year was, but the previous year they'd had, I think the first year they had uh, the Rumble and the Jungle. And yeah then they tied everything into that story for the year. Yeah. And, and just how, and to him, he, he said he used stories to bring people together. And I think that's, that's such a wonderful way of thinking about it. And I think particularly with this sport and it, it's not why, I, not why I'm doing it phrase like this is, I do this for purely selfish reasons. I wanted to talk to you and, you know, spend some time learning from you and, yeah, share sharing experiences because we've got some similar experiences and yeah. Um, but I think in this game we don't tell stories well enough because once you know once you know Jed Holloway's backstory, you want to support him because you know um, where he's come from. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's Darren Coleman. You you know Darren Coleman's story. You want him to go well, and I I think we don't do that well enough as a, as a game. Oh, oh man, we could we, again like yeah. There's actually some cool things that go on uh, on that uh, on stand and behind the paywall, but the reality is, mate, there's some awesome stories out there. And now, uh, yeah, we had this conversation during the level four, but mate, there's some unbelievable stories in the game, and and, and I think um, the ability for social media now to start conveying stories uh, is good. Um, I think I think the, the franchises are turning around and, and churning out some stories about their players, but that's at that that elite level, the the, the sub. You know, the, the, the sub elite, the, the our level, yeah, our level club footy. Like, there's some awesome every week, there's an amazing story of someone who's done something unbelievable. And, and you know, we've got to be better at, as you said, conveying those stories to, to, um, to let others know that this is their pathway and, and sharing, sharing the game. I think, um, sharing stuff about lineouts like we've done, scrums, I think educating people on the game can only be a good thing because like I've heard a lot of people say rugby is too technical. There's too many rules, but the NFL is one of the most popular sports in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, so well, it's just bullshit. We love rugby. Like we, we actually love the game. Look, and, and, and uh, yeah, I go before audiences for work and, and, and there's negative stories of, you know, oh, I, there's this and there's that mate. 
there's actually so much so many cool stories like the world cup like i'm i'm loving the the, the selection of the world cup squad and i see skelton presented to the press last night and he's got a great story that's well, great to welcome him back and oh no this thing we're on the cusp of, of real good stuff here within Australia, and we just got to, people like yourself, myself, you just got to keep pushing the the good narratives. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, what are, what are we doing this half, mate? Uh, under eighteen, New South yeah. Wales juniors. Yeah. Uh, we're meeting at Rugby Australia, and you're going to meet uh, thirteen of our finest from the state. Um, yeah. Looking at some scrums, scrums tonight. I think. Uh, again, going to a short-term program. It's just getting all the kids onto onto a same sheet, uh, and I think you know you'll you'll talk about the importance of the back five because I think our, our our front rows are actually a, a, a good humans who who scrummage well. So yep. it's getting some synergy in behind that. And then, mate, I want some of that secret sauce, the the secret wildfire sauce on our mall, please. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So um, at Rugby Australia, uh, will there be a scrum machine there? I don't, I don't, I don't like on the field that I have one. That does, doesn't need to be. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what resources are actually there. I, 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 you know, I assume there's going to be a scrum machine. Anyway, stay tuned. But yeah, um, okay, that's fine. We'll find out. Uh, what uh, are they competing in in the the nationals, or is there like a competition for them? So these kids are going to play in the Australian schools tournament next week. Uh, they're going to play three games. We've got our first game against New South Wales schools one. Yeah, uh, the kids that I'm, I'm coaching are from Clubland. Um, yeah. Some of them are still at school. Some of them are in the workforce. So okay, cool. We've got 23 kids from right across the state, um, from all walks of life, and and you talk about some cool narratives. Like, yeah, I got to meet some of them the other night, and um, just genuine kids who are excited to represent their state and uh, and take on schools one next Monday. Oh, it's it's an awesome experience. I did that when I was at school, and it's a very special week. And I think it's probably gotten more special. How's how's the schools program working now? Is there a few few different teams, or is it? So I think uh, at the it's it's basically the under eighteen level now. So there's still the Gen Blue programs, and and the different franchises have their number one their number one under 18s program is doing a rep game. So Queensland and New South Wales are playing each other, and the Brumbies and the Rebels are playing against each other. Yeah. Um, underneath that, then is that schoolboys tournament, and that's kind of where where I've bounced into um, cool. to help out. So uh, there's opportunities for the kids to be picked in the Australian schools team that's going to yep. do a tour. Then there's a barbarians team that's going to do do an Australian barbarians team, and then there's still the last chance saloon for for kids to make the Gem Blue programs that'll play games in I think September October. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, the carrot the carrot is out for our boys to. To impress and 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 hopefully begin their rugby journeys into the next the next stage. Yeah, mate, it's a, it's a good thing. Like I I think the people that don't really pay attention or say you need to do more for the grassroots, such a old fuddy duddy thing to say, but seems to be seems to be stuff happening. I I see they do coaching education stuff all the time now. There's junior development programs coming through the roof, so. I, I think if, uh, as you know, I guess the bit of a theme for this whole podcast is if you stick at it, we'll eventually get there. I think there's a lot of positivity coming. 100%. And I don't know. You, you've got a cool journey, Chubby, where you've come from Coffs Harbour and, you know, and spawned, spawned out from there. And I think that, that there's a bit of synergy in your story back to kids in the country. Like you said, Jed Holloway, um, 
you know, Sammy Crank's going back to Sydney this year, but he, he's from up this part of the world. Like, there's cool stories of, of, of kids from small regional towns within New South Wales that have, have been picked up on a pathway and, and they've gone to to play the game at, to their best ability. And that's, I know, that's kind of my passion project at the moment, particularly for the next two weeks with these under-18 kids. Well, buddy, no worries. I, I I look forward to seeing you tonight. I'm very grateful for this conversation. And, uh, mate, I, I, I enjoyed this. I thought this was really good. Mate, just a couple of assistant coaches chewing the fat, like you said, uh, I, I actually reached out to um, Rusty Earnshaw years ago about having just an assistant coaches um, forum conversation, um, and he loved it. He said, "Yeah, you know, look, sometimes we don't we don't consider what goes on with the assistant coaches." And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just part part of the, the the puzzle to help 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 our first grade team win or help the club win. But yeah, you know, we've all got our own unique stories, and uh, you and I can empathise as that. Traveling in a car for long distances and and podcasts and conversations and I don't know just the mental conversations that go within your own head. It's um it's 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 quite the journey, mate. I'd I'd be it'd be inappropriate of me not to ask about any podcast or book rec- recommendations you have, considering that I can sometimes spend twenty hours a week in a car. So have have you got anything that you'd yeah. recommend? So uh, some, some context behind it is um, I got to spend some time with Craig Fitzgibbon from the Sharks um, beginning of this year. And Fitzy, um, for those who don't know, like he actually still commutes to the Sharks. Like he still lives down at Wollongong. So he'll commute. He was commuting when he was at the Roosters. And he, he gave what he does on the way to training, which is all, all prep stuff. And then on the way home is just about all downloading. So um, I've actually flipped around. I've gone back to listening to Roy and HG bludging on the blind their podcast yeah. like it's just a piss take for 90 minutes two hours of 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 waffle so that's i like to try and amuse myself with them um i, I do love joe rogan um and some of his interesting guests i love wandering bear i don't know if you got around that yet but um no, not yet <laughs> i just i just try and listen to different things uh mate, when i'm about half an hour from home though i just try and switch everything off and just try and really um unwind before i get into home so um, I might try that. Yeah, it's a bit weird breathing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just you get it. It's, it's that last half hour before you get home. Well, once you get off the freeway, yeah. uh, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Wait, let's finish there. Stay Thanks, on